0: Everyone and welcome to episode one twenty nine of Left of Skeptic. My name is Brittany Land and I am Kayla Moria. <laughs> is that too much for you? And we are a paranormal podcast. Yes. I forgot my line. Yes, we are. <laughs> I was gonna say my name, and then I was like, "Wait, didn't I already say my name? <laughs> Did I?" I'm really tired. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. I've been like this all day. We'll see how well it comes to you, uh, reading my story. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have physical activity to do
1: after this, so. Yeah, yeah. This is boating well.
0: Yes, I know, especially because it involves climbing up on step stools, and let's just hope I don't fall. Yeah, at least Steve is home, so if you fall, you know, you're not by yourself. Well, he's leaving at 6 to go play games with Wes, so Ooh. just periodically check on me after this Got be it. like, are you still alive? And I'll be like, if I don't answer, then just drive over and be like, hey, hey are, you okay? are you okay? You have the code to my door. It's okay. <laughs> you can come save me uh kayla how are you
1: i am good um packed and ready to go f- to vegas in a couple of days oh my gosh i'm so jealous now i pre-packed you won't be jealous when you hear what the temperatures are like oh
0: uh, yeah and that's probably
1: true i just looked it's about uh it says there's a high of 115
0: degrees every oh, day i'm in my god ew but you know what i'm stoked I mean, yeah, it's only for a couple of days. You get to see Garth Brooks. You know that there's air conditioning in all the buildings. Yep. And do you know how rare it is for me
1: to get to consistently wear shorts every day? Like I never get to do that. No, that I got all doesn't these really cool leg here. tattoos, and nobody ever gets to see them <laughs> except for Sean.
0: Yeah, I gotta get your money's worth. Yo. Exactly.
1: <laughs> it's an investment, an art investment that I can't properly utilize. Um, <laughs> So I got that. I have something pretty cool that I think you'll enjoy.
0: Okay. And I
1: have not, listeners, I have not told her this until now. Okay. I met two people that I have never met before.
0: Okay. In this last week. Strangers. Awesome. That know our podcast. What? Yeah. That
1: never happens. So I got these coasters for our podcast. Uh Uh-huh. And I went to go put them out at Pizza Luce. But I had them delivered to my work so that they would that way they wouldn't get stolen off the porch. Yes. yes, yes, yes. One of my coworkers took one and put it on his desk, and he keeps putting up on top of his desk. I'm like, dude, stop! It's not <laughs> like we don't need this to be a thing. And he keeps when he's like, no, now whenever somebody brings a drink up on my desk, I can say, excuse me, coasters, please. I was like, do not say that to customers. But he keeps putting it up there, and I'm sitting there and I'm typing away on my computer, I'm writing my emails uh-huh. and doing my stuff. And this one customer goes, like, looks up, looks down, and holds it up. He goes, she goes, is this you? I'm like, yes, I'm sorry. Let me, and I'm like, go to go move it. She goes, goes, no, no, no. I listen. (gasps) And I was like, ah! (laughs) And then, (laughs) so I was super stoked. We talked a bit. I'm not going to say their name because they didn't give me permission to. But when we were chatting, and then turns out they are also a smutty book person.
0: Ooh. So we had that
1: bond and Aww. then we just chatted a little bit. That was cool. And then last night I uh-huh. went and hung out at a friend's house. They just invited us over last minute for ribs. It's like a new friend.
0: Okay. okay. And
1: it's pretty cool. I met a bunch of people I'd never met before and then the podcast thing came up and a one of the people was like, Oh yeah, my mom listens to that. <laughs> and I'm like, ah <laughs> I've never met this person or their mother.
0: Yay! And so
1: uh, to these people, uh, I
0: appreciate you. And uh, thank you for telling me these things. It's always nice to have people who don't know us be like, oh, my God, I listen. And I'm like, what?
1: I have a different kind of social anxiety. I don't know how to describe it, but I am not freaked out by strangers talking to me. So if uh-huh. you ever recognize me and are like, "Ooh, I want to say hi and say I listen to the podcast. Absolutely do that because I am down. Some people may not like that, but just so y'all are aware, unless you see me like crying in public, feel free to come up and say hi and that you like the podcast. I mean,
0: maybe <laughs> if you were crying in public, it would make you feel better. True, you could be like, <laughs> "Thank you, Thank so you. Much. actually, that it kind of makes my day." Thank you. <laughs> uh, you can feel free to say that to me as well. Just do not be insulted if I get a deer in the headlight look, and I'm like. <gasps> I forgot how to people. <laughs> <laughs> Brittany, how are you doing? Uh, I'm pretty good. Pretty good. I have been like really hardcore trying to get my living room decorated. It's been two years. I'm finally starting to paint <laughs> and, and put things that I actually want. And right now, everything that's hanging on the wall is essentially just where there were already nails. <laughs> so we just kind of like took our stuff and we're like, oh, there's a nail here. We'll hang this here, I guess. So now I'm I'm going through and I'm like purposefully coming to like a design and everything. Because nice. I have an aesthetic that I have not been doing in the downstairs. And now you're going to. And I'm it's going to look so great. I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm a big fan of that green. You know, I was worried that you're going to be like, it's so dark. But I think it's like, it's a, it's a calming dark. It To be clear. It is so dark. <laughs> and
1: I would never paint my room that color. But for you, it works. It and for does. Steve,
0: it works. So I've, I've got I've got a vibe.
1: Got a vibe. So. <laughs> All
0: right. Well, we should probably we actually are gonna do an ad this week. So oh, okay. should we uh rack on into it? Do it. Slow mo open. <laughs> it was a multi, multi step open, <laughs> and we're back. All right. In case
1: y'all haven't heard me talk about it enough, it's my birthday week. Is it? It's my birthday week. Huh. And you know how normally we go overseas for my my birthday or your birthday or our birthday. Uh huh. Yeah. Totally didn't do that this time. <laughs>
0: You made, didn't you say something on last week's episode that you were going to? And then I didn't. And then I was like, but Kayla, that was just when we were in the Midwest. Like, we go everywhere now. I don't know.
1: I just, I decided that for my birthday, Uh I am going to cover one of my favorite haunted locations to read about and a space I hope to one day visit. Okay. The Queen Mary.
0: Oh, in California. Yes. (gasps) Mm. One day I
1: shall go aboard the Queen Mary but not now i'm just going to vegas i could probably make it over there but that would just miss the whole i'd miss garth brooks what the hell
0: yeah don't miss garth brooks that's like that
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay so the building of the rms queen mary began in 1930 in Clydesbank, scotland despite suffering economic setbacks during the great depression which stalled construction on the ship for several years cunard line spared no expense building the queen mary which was originally known as job number 534 yeah Queen Mary is significantly more catchy. Right, right. Uh, according to the Queen Mary website, the board of directors at Cunard had decided to name the ship Queen Victoria, which would have been in keeping with the tradition of them having a, like, I-A suffix. So there was uh, a bunch of them. There was, like, a Victoria something somethingia. Uh,
0: I can't think of any other. Alexandria, I guess. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> what other names have the-ia at the end?
1: They had a few listed, and then I was gonna type them, and then I must have forgotten. So,
0: or you're like, "I'll remember these,"
1: and then I, I don't did need it.
0: Mama, Ia Ia oh.
1: <laughs> As per protocol, directors went to ask King George for his blessing of the ship's proposed name, saying, "We have decided to name our new ship after England's greatest queen." And they were talking about Queen Victoria, the king's grandmother. Uh huh. Upon which the king is reported to have said, "My wife will be delighted that you are naming the ship after her." And his wife was Mary. <laughs> so oh. that's how the name became Queen Mary.
0: Oh, and can you just imagine their faces? They're just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mary. That's Mary. That's we were gonna switch it up from that EA thing. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm that was the plan the whole time
1: mm-hmm. absolutely your majesty Yeah. Yep, yep. hashtag fun fact rms stands for royal main ship oh i did not know that so so ss stands for steamship oh so I didn't know that either when you hear somebody talking about rms titanic or rms queen mary that's royal main ship but like the ss william a irvin is steamship that's what the letters stand for
0: I didn't know that. That's actually a really I. good fun fact. Because I
1: was looking it up. I was like, why is it the S.S. Irvin and and like the RMS Queen Mary? And I found out. So ah. Huh. Ah. on May 27th, 1936, the Queen Mary took her maiden voyage and departed from Southampton, England, to Cherbourg in France, to New York in America. She boasted five dining areas and lounges, two cocktail bars, and swimming pools, a grand ballroom, a squash court, and even a small hospital area. For three years after her maiden voyage, the Queen Mary was considered the grandest ocean liner in the world, carrying Hollywood celebrities like Bob Hope and Clark Gable, royalty like the Duke and Duchess of Windsor, and dignitaries like Winston Churchill. Oh. You often see when you go online people comparing... The Queen Mary and the Titanic. Because in our brain, the Titanic is like the ultimate ship, right? I know. But the Queen Mary apparently put the Titanic to shame.
0: Well, the Queen Mary was after the Titanic, right. yes. Right. So they, they they knew what they needed to upgrade. But because the Titanic had all that big tragedy. Yeah, it's very famous. Yeah. There's like a movie or something after it. I've heard about that. There's titties in it. <laughs> yes, I very embarrassingly watched that in the theater with my best friend Jamie and her mom <laughs> in like fifth grade and I was just like, oh my god, this would this is one thing as a fifth grader, it's another thing as a fifth grader with her friend's mom. Draw me like one of your French girls.
1: Do it. Anyway, <laughs> the Queen Mary docked in New York in September of 1939 and that would be the last time she would carry civilian passengers for many years because when we had uh, World War II. Oh, uh, yeah. During this time, Queen Mary transformed into a troop ship where she was painted camouflage gray color and stripped of her luxurious amenities. They dubbed her the Gray Ghost because of her stealth and stark color. The Queen Mary was the largest and fastest troop ship capable of transporting as many as 16,000 troops at 30 knots. At the end of World War II, the Queen Mary began a 10-month retrofitting process to return the ship to her
0: original glory. So in all of her stages, she's always been fantastic. Yep, she's been tip-top. On July 21st,
1: which is also my birthday. Oh my god. Oh my god! On July 21st, 1947, the Queen Mary resumed regular passenger service across the Atlantic Ocean and continued to do so for nearly two more decades. The increasing popularity of air travel signaled the end of the Queen Mary big ship era. Because by 1965, the entire Cunyard fleet was operating at a loss, so they retired and sold the legendary Queen Mary on October 31st of 1967. (gasps) These are all your favorite dates. Right? The Queen Mary departed for her final cruise, arriving at Long Beach, California on December 9th, 1967, and she has called
0: Southern California her home ever since. You know, December 9th is my brother's birthday. See, this is all coming together. It's always full (laughs) circle Somehow. somehow. We're making
1: it work. Uh, The Queen Mary is now a floating hotel. Um, It's also an attraction and event and wedding venue. You don't have to stay there. You can see it other ways. Right. It's home to three three world-class restaurants, not (laughs) world-crass. You walk in there, they just start cussing at you. Um, Fuck you, welcome. (laughs) And it's an icon (laughs) in Southern California. And she's haunted. Yes. But you knew that already. I did. I mean, honestly, if you're into ghosty stuff at all, you've probably heard of the Queen Mary, as she is one of the most famously haunted places in America.
0: hmm mm-hmm.
1: There have been numerous paranormal experiences by tourists and events that generally could not have taken place in a ship that has been defunct for almost 60 years. So, why is it haunted? Well, evidently, this ship is no stranger to death. Even though it didn't have a tragedy like the Titanic in its, like,
0: operation as a, like, luxury liner. Oh, so instead of thousands of people dying, it was just a couple?
1: Uh, At least 47 people have died aboard the Queen Mary during her time at sea. Which was 50 years? 40? Because mm, there was that time as, like, the warship, too. Yeah. So, a uh, little over 30. A little over 30 years. Almost 40. Okay. I mean, but st- yeah. still, thats I mean, that's a while. A young crew member named John Petter was crushed by a door during an emergency drill. Um, another crew member died after drinking gin that turned out to be cleaning fluid. Oh, no. This is why we use labels. Uh, the other 45 deaths appear to just be of natural causes, which happens. People get sick. People are old. It's kind of like the same idea.
0: Of any hotel. A really. hotel, yeah, yeah.
1: exactly. And this was while it was at sea, but these people would be at sea for long periods of time. Yeah, you can't a... just
0: go to the doctors.
1: Exactly. And that's just the official records of deaths on the ship. Then there's the whole, you know, World War II portion of the ship's life. Mm-hmm. Um, the Queen Mary was fast, and that's why they liked her, but her efficiency came at a cost. She was pushed to the limit, often cramming, you know, fifteen to 16,000 soldiers in spaces designed for 2,200 passengers. In the summer, soldiers slept shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder above deck and took turns sleeping in the bunks below. Oh, my God. The lack of airflow made the cabins, like, suffocatingly hot. Oh,
0: my God.
1: Some soldiers died from heat exhaustion. One source claimed that some soldiers would jump ship, which, I mean, I I could see
0: that. I could definitely see that if they're, like, claustrophobic. Like, oh, my God, I would rather drown yep. than this nonsense. <laughs> Legend says the staff went half-crazy,
1: too. Um, One rather gruesome rumor is that galley crew locked the chef in his own oven one night. (gasps) Oh, I remember that story. Roasting him alive, though there are no records of the chef's demise. And, you know, there aren't really official records of deaths from the soldiers on the ship. I imagine those have their own separate records for it. Mm, Yeah. Um, There is substantial evidence that the Mary was possibly... Like, the place of death for about 300 soldiermen. Oh, no. That's sad. Um, and then there was an accident that did occur with the ship. Um, in October of 1942, the ship accidentally collided with the HMS Curacao. Much smaller cruiser that was escorting around the Irish coast. Uh, apparently, the Curacao was zigzagging in front of the Mary, hoping to throw off any potential missile attacks. So this is also while it was War wartime. So they were trying to, like, throw off any potential missile attacks when the 82,000-ton ship mistakenly plowed into it, breaking that ship in half. (sighs) Some of the crew of the Curacao died instantly. Others drowned or succumbed to hypothermia in the freezing water.
0: Did they save any of them? Do you know? Uh, The Mary,
1: the report says the Mary never stopped to rescue them. Huh. And it would have compromised thousands of soldiers on board, so they just kept on going.
0: I, so I, I guess don't know if, if any of
1: them were saved like on the lifeboats from the Curacao, but the Mary didn't save anything
0: right I suppose if they're already so overpopulated but also I feel like most people don't just let people die wartime try and wartime well don't they normally take them as prisoners I know nothing about military well, but this army is things. not
1: this is not like plowing into an enemy ship right this is plowing into an escorting ship. Like, the Karakau was escorting the Queen Mary. And so that's that's the zigzagging. They were trying to throw off anybody from attacking the Queen Mary by using that ship kind of like a decoy. That's why they were zigzagging, and then the th- things got crossed, and they crashed into each other. Oh. And they said that they didn't stop to rescue them because— Then the Queen Mary would have been compromised. target. Compromised, yeah. Okay, okay. And the truth of this accident was sealed until the war ended three years later. Okay. By that point, three years later, the Queen Mary had undergone that 10-month renovation and erased any remnants of its military life. Paintings, fine china, art deco furniture were all returned to the cabins. She was ready to dazzle the rich and famous, fuck all that tragedy of the war. We're back in the extravagant we're lifestyle. We're
0: baby, being fancy bitches.
1: But all the expensive decor in the world could fully bury what happened during the war. The Queen Mary is now a haunted ship.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, Per an article in Marine Insight, there have been reports of over 150 ghosts in the Queen Mary's ship. And going by the regularity in the sightings of these paranormal beings, there seemed to be a lot of truth in them. People seem to have experienced drastic temperature changes when they enter certain parts of the ship, uh, such as near the second class pool, the haunted stateroom, and the shaft alley and adjacent bathroom. They've also heard children crying and laughing in the third class playroom nursery and the sighting of a little girl who drowned in the second class swimming pool have also been reported. If you're looking for your own spooky Queen Mary experience, what better way than to visit some of the most haunted rooms for yourself? Starting with Stateroom B340. According to Travel and Leisure magazine, the stateroom was a problem long before the Queen Mary opened as a hotel. In 1948, a British third-class passenger, Walter J. Adamson, passed away in the room, and the details of his death are unknown. Later, in 1966, a woman staying in the room reported that she was woken up when the bed covers were pulled off of her and she saw a man standing at the foot of her bed.
0: Oh, not a dude. Gross.
1: She screamed and rang for the steward, but the man vanished into thin air. Years later, guests staying in the room have reported hearing someone knocking on the door in the middle of the night and seeing bathroom lights mysteriously flicker on. Even the hotel maids started complaining that they would find the bathroom water running even when no one had stayed in the room for days, and one reported that the bed covers were pulled off right after she had put them on. Annoying. Very annoying. I think that's the most annoying thing for hotel employees to have to deal with with ghosts. Like, not scary, just annoying. Like, I just made that bed. I have to make
0: every bed in this freaking place and you're, <laughs> you're, you're unmaking my shit. Especially if they take the time to, like, make those little dogs out of the towels or, like, the swans. <laughs> and then they get <laughs> thrown across the room and they're like, God damn it.
1: Others have said to experience the smell of cigars and perfume sometimes. Uh, Another weird phenomena in this room is the sounds. It's creaking doors, knocking, sudden squeals, laughter, sounds of people talking, and whistling have all occurred in this room.
0: Sudden squeals, (laughs) (laughs) just like that. Yep, that's what I'm gonna (laughs) guess. It
1: just, just imagine like you close your eyes, you're in an empty room, and then you just hear. (laughs) What the fuck? <laughs> uh. The room was closed to guests for many years, uh, actually because of how haunted it is, but they have reopened anybody looking for a night of creepy fun. So, like, if you're staying in that room, you are choosing to, to stay, stay in, in that room. room. Yeah. Now, this room, I have a hard time pronouncing. I think it's the Mauritania room. M-A-U-R-E-T-A-N-I-A. Mauritania. That sounds, what we're going with That sounds right. Yeah. That is the next of the spooky rooms to check out. In 1989, two women were sent to clean this lounge for a VIP reception. When they entered the room, they found a passenger sitting on a chair in the middle of the dance floor who didn't say a word. When a third woman came in to help the cleaning, she remarked that the passenger was staring and she asked the passenger to move because mm-hmm. they're cleaning. And as the employees started to call security because the passenger was just ignoring them, the passenger faded right in front of them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would rather that than have to actually deal with, like, a rude passenger. This was
1: a feat all three women saw at the same time. They all reported seeing it okay. the same way. The Mayfair room was once the ship's beauty salon, but now it's used as offices for the hotel. In 2001, a member of the accounting staff came in early to work, about 5.30 a.m., and felt like something was off. So she went about her office tasks. Uh, she sat down at her desk felt unusually cold and later she felt someone brush up against the back of her chair mm. but no one was there she was by herself just minutes after that the woman saw a transparent finger oh my god <laughs> just minutes after that the woman saw a transparent figure in white walk across the room and just pass right through the door oh Needless to say, the employee grabbed her keys and fled the room and didn't come back until her co-workers were in the office for their normal work day.
0: And she's just sitting in the hallway like, hi guys, I've been waiting for you. Just
1: imagine she went out to her car in the parking lot and was like, just waiting. She's like, okay, 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 Mike rolled up, we're good. We're good, we're, we're good. good, I can Mike, go in Mike, wait there. for me. <laughs> <laughs> I left my computer on. <laughs> um. And one of my favorite areas, the swimming pools, the haunted first class swimming pool is abandoned as far as swimming goes. These pools are not operational. Huh. Weird. Why? I guess, I'm if I had to guess, it's probably like standards for safety.
0: Oh. Because right. they haven't like right.
1: remodeled them. Or maybe it's just the cost of the upkeep. I mean, pools are pain. Can you imagine having to keep track of an old pool on an old ship and then hope that everything meets the standards? I think for it right now they just use it as a spooky, you know place. A spooky place for people to visit. Okay. So this was once the epitome of luxury. It had an illuminated fountain, a mother of pearl ceiling, and elaborate mosaic tiles. The pool is oh, I wrote it right here. The pool is no longer loose because of California code issues, but that doesn't stop it from being one of the hotbeds of paranormal activity on the ship. People have reported seeing a number of ghosts here, including a young woman in a tennis skirt walking downstairs and disappearing behind a pillar, a woman in an old wedding gown next to the pool with a little boy in a suit, and a cloud of steam appears out of nowhere along with a little girl in a blue and white dress who disappears in an instant. The appearance of wet footprints on the floor near this pool when no swimming activity can be possible in the first place is also something that tourists have reported seeing.
0: I don't know why, but that really upsets me.
1: So then you start getting into areas which weren't open to the public, such as boiler room number four. Like now they'll include it as part of the tour, but mm-hmm. originally this wasn't like a place people went on the ship as it was operational.
0: I cannot imagine that they invited guests to come down to the boiler rooms. So, mm-hmm.
1: Several people have reported seeing a little girl in this area, sometimes sucking her thumb and sometimes with a doll in hand. Hatch door number 13, which is known as Shaft Alley, was the site of the gruesome accident that we discussed earlier. Uh, One night in 1966, the watertight doors in the engine and boiler rooms were ordered to be closed. Mm -hmm. About five minutes later, an 18-year-old crew member from Yorkshire was found crushed in the door of Hatch 13, trapped with his arms pinned to his side. The man was freed and carried to the hospital ward, but it was too late. Uh, He showed signs of crushing injuries on his arms, chest, pelvis, and was bleeding from the nose. He passed away not long after he was brought to the hospital ward.
0: I am not surprised by that. That sounds awful.
1: Uh, His ghost is regularly seen around that same area now, with people reporting the sounds of somebody running behind them and whistling. Others have possibly made contact with the crewmen. They uh, notice spots of grease that look like fingerprints on their faces. Some have seen a figure of a bearded man in blue coveralls that looks just like the man who died out of the corner of their eyes and several others had said they saw an engineer wandering the hallways asking if guests had seen his wrench, but when they went back to find him, he had disappeared. Julie Tremaine wrote an article for Sci-Fi titled, Geek Road Trip, I Stayed in California's Most Haunted Hotel Room and Communed with the Ghosts, in April of 2019, and she had quite the trip. Uh, I liked her opener to the article, so I quoted that here. If you're ever in the position to spend the night in a notoriously haunted place, even if you're a little more molder than Scully, you should make sure to bring a friend. (laughs) I wish someone had told me that before I spent the night in room B340, the most haunted room
0: on the Queen Mary. Oh, and she stayed there all by herself? Yes. Well, that is silly.
1: Yeah. But even totally alone with no one to talk me down or, say, be available to push in front of a ghost as I ran to safety, (laughs) I made it through the morning. Scratch that. I wasn't alone. There was just no other living person in the room with me. And notice that I didn't say I slept in room B340. <laughs> During her visit, which occurred at the same time as several paranormal investigators, she watched people perform EVP sessions, tarot polls, and spirit box sessions. Quote, I heard many responses that night while I sat in the dark through two different investigative se- sessions, and none of them were good. There were many frustrated spirits in that room, and a huge amount of confused, angry energy. At one point, after Greg pressed the issue of why a spirit wasn't telling us its name, it hissed, "Hassle," before <laughs> going silent for the night.
0: Uh, I feel that. I feel that. It's yeah. a hassle, dude. Like, like, I don't you know, want to tell
1: you my fucking. Do you know how many people try to come into this place and talk to me? It's a hassle. I just want to
0: rest. I don't want to do that. I do not care. It's been a long week. They stuck
1: around until about 2 a.m. doing their investigations when it was time for Tremaine to go to bed. Which she was, obviously, able to do with ease, right? Right? I mean, who
0: wouldn't in an in a extremely haunted room?
1: She said around 3 a.m., the voices started. She heard whispers outside her door. When she would get up to go check and see who was outside, she would hear them running away from the door screaming. Oh, my God. <laughs> God. She said that occurrence happened two more times that night. That, no, no, I don't, awful, awful. Quote, it's easy to ascribe a supernatural origin to any single noise emanating throughout the paper-thin walls because you're expecting, hoping, dreading to experience something you can't explain. But I was too busy jumping out of my skin at the completely mundane to experience the paranormal, which made the night no less terrifying. Unquote. And I think the idea being that she was staying in this hotel with other paranormal investigators. So it's very unlikely they're going to pull the like knock knock joke right. of like knocking and then running away trying to scare other people. Like
0: Right. They're trying to prove things. Exactly. Not- That's the
1: opposite of how paranormal investigators handle this shit. Yeah. The next day she looked through the SLS footage taken during the investigation of the room she was in. An SLS camera, uh, it stands for Structured Light Sensor, is the same technology that, is, that used to be used by Xbox Kinect, where it's supposed to pick up activity in the room and only detect human figures. Oh. Like, so if you had an Xbox with Kinect, you would be able to walk in and wave at your Kinect, and it would turn on.
0: But it wouldn't do that
1: for like If like a cat just walked through or if something random was moving in the room, it's supposed to only pick up human figures because it recognizes the shape. Okay. So you probably have seen it used in ghost hunting videos before because paranormal investigators use it to pick up ghostly figures present that may not be seen with the human eye. Mm -hmm. Tremaine had been sitting in the corner of the room during the entire set of investigations. Uh, She sat on the side of the bed next to the wall. There was no one next to her all night. When she went to go review the footage, she saw a creepy spectral stick figure looming next to her on that camera.
0: Oh, this is the stick figure one. Yep, because when you review
1: SLS footage, when it's detecting figures, it uh-huh. like gives a little like creepy stick figure look. Because it's if be the same thing if me or you were standing in front of it, it would illuminate right. us with a stick figure. Right. But there was nobody next to her except a creepy stick figure. Hmm. Mm, mm, mm. to make things creepier when she went back to transcribe her audio notes along with the camera footage. Uh She hears the same EVP response heard by the investigator, but the difference was that the angry hassle word was louder and clearer in her recording because it seemed to be coming directly next to her where the stick figure thing was
0: oh fun <laughs> fun <laughs> that's so fun
1: several people on that trip also reported strange happenings in their room overnight uh and the following evening when they investigated the haunted boiler rooms tremaine swears she saw something move when no one was there so that's pleasant
0: mm-hmm it mm-hmm. was <laughs> the little girl who sucks her though uh, it's <laughs> bad for your teeth anyway On to my favorite website
1: for personal experiences, hauntedplaces.org. Okay. In June of 2014, a user named Kevin posted, In 2000, I spent a week aboard the Queen Mary. In that week, walking through the halls, I always felt uneasy. I had a room towards the bow of the ship. On my second night, I was awoken to the sound of children laughing and running. The next morning, I asked to switch rooms because of the kids keeping me up at night, and the lady at the front desk told us there were no kids aboard the ship at that time. That day, I kept to the room to see if it would happen again, but it didn't. I also thought I might have seen something downstairs at the pool, but at the time, I thought it was my eyes playing tricks on me. Mm. In August of 2015, a user named Jerry posted, My family and I spent two nights on the Queen Mary back in July of 2012. We had checked into a room at the same level as the checking disc. Sadly, I don't remember the room number. I do remember that it was right at the bulkhead connecting the point that can be seen between the hallways throughout the ship, farther down the aft of the ship. We didn't like the room. I won't say why here, and upon leaving the room at about 9pm, my family left the room and made a right turn to go down the hall. I stopped to allow a man who appeared to work on the ship to go ahead of me. He was wearing a dark blue uniform similar to a captain's uniform a short white beard, maybe an inch or two long, and a blue sailor's hat. The uniform was circa 20s or 30s. I turned to tell my family that I would catch up to them and turned back to let the captain go ahead, but he was gone. Once we checked into the second room on the B-level of the ship, we got situated and I proceeded to go to the bar on the bow of the ship. I was there at about 9.45 to 10 p.m. I had a birthday drink and watched the 40s music and dancing taking place. I finally returned to the room at approximately 1 a.m., It wasn't until the morning that I learned that at about 11, the door sounded like it opened and closed, which woke my wife. Since it was dark in the room, my family saw no one. Mm -hmm. My wife, shortly after, felt the gentle shaking of her shoulders that woke her. She said, get off out loud, and the shaking stopped. (laughs) We later found out that the room was on the list for persons being shaken awake. The person that I had seen in the hallway, I believe to be the captain, uh, I saw closely resembled the actual captain in the pictures in the wheelhouse. I hope someone else has seen the captain. He really did not strike me as a threatening entity, only as someone checking out the activity
0: on the ship. I like that her response. I assume that she assumed. I think that it was her yeah. husband. And get off! And <laughs> I think
1: that's funny because it's like so he's so he's going to go have a birthday drink. The family's right. tired. They're going. Yeah, to bed. they're going to go to bed. They already had to switch rooms because they didn't like something about that initial room. Right. So they switch rooms. They, like, whatever. He's like, I'm going to go get a drink. It's my birthday. Whatever. While he's in the bar, this ghost comes, shakes his wife awake, and she's like, get off. Like, he's just trying to, like, maybe get laid on his birthday.
0: Yeah, but his children are probably in that room. Well, and I assume that's probably why she was like, get off. Like, I don't care how much you've had to drink. This is wildly inappropriate.
1: (laughs) And it was just a ghost. It was just a ghost. So, honestly, better than... Uh, somebody, trying to, somebody <laughs> trying to get laid with their kids in the room. So, <laughs> On October of 2017, a user named Teresa posted, I was a frequent visitor to the ship and was fortunate enough to work on board the accounting department for over two years. One morning, I arrived at work, entered our office, and it was inside the stateroom, which partitions. Our office manager had an office window and glass door. I saw a woman standing in the office looking at a piece of paper. I went around the corner to put my purse down and came back to start the coffee. Her office was empty now. And a few seconds later, she walked in through the door by the passageway, and I said, wow, I thought I just saw you in your office. And she replied that she had just arrived for the day. Eh. My mom and I spent the night on the ship during Halloween. Our bathroom door in our suite refused to stay closed. We watched it swing open. We were having lunch one day in the Promenade Cafe, and I swear we saw the form of a woman in a pretty floral dress come down and sit at a table, and then vanish in the thin air. My coworker had a key to the elevator, we used to spend our lunch breaks visiting off-limits areas in search of spirits, and there were a lot of stories of sightings from people who worked on board, usually centered around the front desk of the hotel, also the pool, jail, and former crew kitchen. I truly loved working there, and the Queen will always have a place in my heart.
0: Okay, what a
1: job perk. Right? Just be able to like, oh, I, I work here. I can go to all the places like my little touristy heart to wanted it. to go before.
0: Probably gets a discount on rooms. Oh my gosh. I hope the bathroom door didn't swing open when someone was actually in there though because I would dislike that.
1: I mean, it's just her and her mom. So, I mean, of the embarrassment level, that's pretty, pretty that's moderate. True. With such a varied and intriguing past, it's not surprising that the Queen Mary has been voted one of the Top 10 Most Haunted Places in America by Time Magazine. You can take tours of the Queen Mary during the day, and if you want to experience things at night, you can book your stay by visiting queenmary.com. And that is the story of the RMS Queen Mary, a now haunted
0: hotel that was once a haunted ship. I love that, though I'm a little surprised that you did not go into the BuzzFeed Unsolved Ryan Ryan's experience.: I,
1: had a, I actually had a note to say we should mention that. <laughs> if people are intrigued by this and you want like a spooky thing, but that's funny, because usually if you're listening to us, you might like spooky, but not super spooky because yeah. we don't get super spooky. Yeah. We, we like to laugh about things. Checking out BuzzFeed: Unsolved: Paranormal super is it supernatural? BuzzFeed Unsolved, Supernatural? Yes. Yes. So if you just go on YouTube, it's free. Uh-huh. BuzzFeed Unsolved Supernatural, the Queen Mary episode, is amazing, hilarious, and spooky. It's It covers all the bases.
0: Covers all the bases, and you actually even get to see a little segment of something that Ryan filmed before he ever worked at BuzzFeed, mm-hmm. of what happened to him when he stayed at the Queen Mary. And I thought, I had originally included some of that in the story, but at this point, the story was
1: long enough. Right. And I do think that is something that is better to experience watching it I than fully me agree. trying to describe it.
0: I fully agree. <laughs> so,
1: on a skeptic scale of paranormal, para being five, normal being one, I feel like I know the answer, but what do you give the RMS, Queen Mary? I'm going to give it a five. Me too, five. It's There's yeah. a reason it's one of
0: the top ten. I like, agree, I agree. And I've seen enough shows and documentation of it outside of this podcast to be like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's there.
1: All it takes is very minor Googling Uh to find evidence from shows of a higher quality that, Mm -hmm. like, are popular all the way to people posting their own YouTube clips of their experiences. There is no doubt in my mind this place is haunted. I fully agree. If I had to pick a place to convince somebody that ghosts were real this would be one of the places I would pick. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. What do you got for me this week?
0: Well, so last week I told you all about Robert Johnson, mm-hmm. the Delta Blues musician who allegedly sold his soul to the devil for immense talent that had, has never been seen since. He died at the age of 27 after having been allegedly poisoned by a bartender who was mad that Robert was getting on with his lady.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And while that may seem... I'm not going to say reasonable (laughs) enough. (laughs) It's not reasonable. It's really not. It's understandable. Yeah, let's not murder people. Um, It does seem like a plausible explanation for the death of a young musician who had been described as a bit of a womanizer. Add some toxic masculinity into the mix and tragedy ensues. Yeah. And while this seems like a horrible but not all too unsurprising death for a talented young black man in 1938... Rumors have circulated since his death that while there was a, quote, real-world explanation for it, it was his destiny to die at that age because it was all part of the deal that he had made with the devil. Devil.
1: Deal with the devil.
0: Brutal. <laughs> also, by the way, if you hear any, like, rumbling sounds in the background, the Blue Angels are flying over our heads. And I don't think it's picking up, but just in case.
1: I was literally about to say the same thing because it's getting louder. It's getting louder. I think they're getting closer. It's been going for a while since we started recording, but it's getting worse to the point where now I'm like, you know, we're just going to be talking and there's going to be things you can't edit out of just like, it'd be more like a, I think they'd hear like a. Exactly. Actually, wait, no, we lied. It's not the blue,
0: it's not the blue angels, it's demons. Oh, (laughs) Mm, Kayla finally found her demons. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Well, at the end of last week's episode, I mentioned that Robert Johnson is said to be the first member of the 27 Club, which you guessed uh, when I first mentioned the age that he died. Yeah. So I would like to know what you know about the 27 Club. Also, before you tell us just a blanket trigger warning, there is a lot of talk about death and drug use in this story. So if you're not in the mindset to process this, no worries. You can always come back later if you want to, or you can just skip ahead after this and I will put the timestamp in the episode description.
1: Yeah, if I recall correctly, 27 Club is going to include, and this is, just, I didn't even, I haven't heard your story yet. Right. But I'm going to guess the three main ones are drug use, death, and suicide. Yes. Okay. That, that'd that be the three main ones, I'd think, Right. Um, hold on one second. I'm just doing something real quick. I do I do
0: I do You can't Google it. I'm not Googling shit. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, hold on, let me tell you about the 27 hold Club. On. And she let picks me. up her computer. <laughs> 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 let me tell you.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Hold on. Sorry. I already
0: did that, Kayla. <laughs> I already
1: did all the Googling we, we require. All right. I don't know much about the actual 27 Club. Uh, aside from the fact that it is people who died at the age of 27 mm-hmm. to the point where my very morbid friends and I, when we were all 27 at varying points made a joke about how that might be our last year on earth. Oh, yep. Um, I know Kurt Cobain, uh, uh-huh. uh, Amy Winehouse, uh, huh. Janice Joplin. Uh, huh. I used to know more, but those are the three. I Robert know. Robert Johnson. Well, Robert Johnson. <laughs> we, we, yeah. Yeah. Uh, shit. I, I have one person, like, in my head, mm-hmm. but I cannot, like, name it for the life of me. But, yes, so I know it's people that have died at age 27, and it's almost always super tragic, like, circumstances. But, honestly, anybody that dies at age 27 isn't, no matter how, isn't that a tragic circumstance? Because that is a short life. That is a very short life. So, I am excited to, I didn't know there was
0: more to that than just people who die at age 27. So, I am excited to hear more. Well, the 27 Club is the name given to a group of celebrities, mainly musicians, who tragically passed away at the age of 27. 27. And although the cause of death for each member of the 27 Club is different, most of the official causes of death being linked to a high risk lifestyle, such as suicide, homicide, drug and alcohol abuse, or accidents, the fact remains that many young artists who had risen to the height of their careers coincidentally all passed away at the age of 27, leading some folks to believe that natural talent wasn't the only thing driving these folks, and that like the legend of Robert Johnson, a deal had been made for their talent and fame, and 27 was when their number was up. Okay. So the 27 Club has been written about in countless music magazines, journals, and other publications as each new member joins the club mm-hmm. but it wasn't until the late 1960s early 1970s that the pattern really began to be seen between 1969 and 1971 the music world was rocked by the deaths of four prominent musicians of the time all within three years of each other all having passed away at the age of 27 brian jones Jimi hendrix janice joplin and jim morrison jim morrison was the one i was thinking of yeah I did not know Jimi Hendrix was a member
1: of the 27 Club. He was. He is. Yeah. I I thought he was older. Man, that talk about a talent that the world was robbed of right there.
0: I know. He, like, had just, like, really gotten up there. And then, yeah. So this is where I'm going to do a shout-out to the 2019 article in the Rolling Stones about the 27 Club. I used a variety of sources. However, this was the main source for like the specific information about artists got it. it just seemed like it would be the most reliable source for factual information about musicians absolutely because i feel like rolling stone they- in for, for everything it's it's a reliable source exactly but music mm-hmm, mm-hmm they got it yeah so brian jones was the first uh, of the four having passed away on july 3rd of 1969 his death was attributed to a combination of mixing alcohol and drugs and then deciding to dive into a swimming pool. And although this seems like a cut and dried explanation, the actual cause of death for the OG leader of the Rolling Stones is considered a mystery. With many folks questioning the original version of what actually happened to him.
1: So this is like, okay, I, d- I just didn't know who that person was. He's like a member of the
0: Rolling Stones? He was one of the original okay. folks of the Rolling Stones. Okay. Per the Rolling Stones article, quote, still the mystery of his death hasn't been solved. Keith Richards has said, I don't know what happened, but there was some pretty nasty business going on, unquote. Mm. A lot of conspiracy theories in, in the deaths of a lot of the 27 Club folks. You know what's wild? What? That that's a Keith Richards quote.
1: Like, we talk about these people who died at a really young age. How is Keith Richards
0: not died? I have no idea. He is. He has done everything in the world you could possibly do that should kill him. And he hasn't died. No. he's He is like the opposite of the 27 Club. <laughs> he sold his soul to the devil. He's the 270 to, Club. Maybe he is the devil. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't so. think so either. He actually seems like a really nice guy. <laughs> I just meant his unnaturally long life. It, there it. must be some sort of supernatural something. We are not calling Keith Richards Satan. No, Let's... I wouldn't. I just meant <laughs> don't <sue> something us. <laughs> supernatural is happening there. Keith Richards, no if one you knows. ever accidentally hear
1: this episode, don't sue us <laughs> <laughs> for libel. <I> don't... <laughs> All right, sorry.
0: Uh, <laughs> No, I don't know how Keith Richards is still alive. I'm glad he is. He really does seem like he's a nice guy. Uh, It's just I have no idea how he is still alive. (laughs) Uh, Jimi Hendrix passed away in another instance of mixing drugs and alcohol. On Friday, September 18th of 1970, Jimi took a handful of sleeping pills, something called a Vesperax. Okay. According to Rolling Stones, half a tablet would be enough to put a man asleep for eight hours. Uh, But Jimi Hendrix had taken up to nine. Oof. This mixed with alcohol consumption, and by the time the paramedics were called, he was found unresponsive, and it was too late. His official cause of death was that he had aspirated on his own vomit and died of asphyxia. Okay. Less than a month later, Janis Joplin, right after recording her song, A Woman Left Lonely, returned to her hotel room injected herself with heroin, and at some point fell and hit her face on a table and was found dead the next morning. Her official cause of death was a heroin overdose, though some sources claim that in the fall she broke her nose, causing her to asphyxiate on her own blood. Okay. According to an article by Eric Ritlin from musicinminnesota.com, there were reportedly several other overdose victims that very same weekend who had used heroin from that same batch oh and and, i mean that's
1: something we still always get all the time here you always hear about everywhere which is like everybody's like oh there's a bad batch of this drug going Mm -hmm. around well you know what it's it's already a dangerous fucking thing to be doing right and then you add in something
0: like that right yeah yeah The next musician attributed to the 27 Club is Jim Morrison. And what's really interesting about him is that much like Robert Johnson, his cult-like fame came posthumously. So although Jim died on July 3rd, 1971, it wasn't until Francis Ford Coppola used his song The End in the soundtrack for Apocalypse Now in, I believe, 1979 that he really rose to the level of fame that he's now known for. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't nearly as popular At the time of his death. And as the Rolling Stones put it, quote, part of the cult of Jim was the coincidence of him dying at the same age as Brian, Jimmy, and Janice. The 27 link helped reinforce the idea that Jim had been special, that his death was fated, and that there was something weird going on, unquote.
1: So you combine it with, you combine the death and the age with the dark lyrics and then. Like people noticing this, like starting to notice this This pattern. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, okay. And that's not to say that Jim Morrison wasn't really talented. I don't know anything about Jim Morrison. I just know that every douchebag frat boy that I knew had a poster (laughs) of him hanging on their wall, that same like shadowy image of him. Yep. The
0: straight, straight on thing. And although Jim Morrison was known to have abused drugs and alcohol, his official cause of death was listed as heart failure. The thing is,
1: drugs can cause heart 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 problems. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, And also there was no autopsy that was actually performed. He had died in France and it was not required by French law. And yeah, it just wasn't (laughs) required. So they didn't do one.
1: That's legit. A lot of people view autopsy as, like, a violation of, like, a body. So if it's not required, they're not going to do
0: it. I definitely see that. I personally am, like— You want to know. I want to know. If I die under mysterious circumstances, absolutely autopsy my body. I saw a really funny thing, which I think you'll appreciate. You might have heard it in the podcast, but I did see a thing that Becky on You Can Sit With Us said something like, Oh, Keith and I have decided that we want to be cremated, Unless we die under mysterious circumstances, then you must bury us so that we can be dug up again. (laughs) So we can be exhumed. So we can find out what went wrong. Yep, yep. And I am the same way. I 100% if I die under mysterious circumstances, please leave my body so that it can be looked at again. But if not, do something else with it. You don't don't have to pre-bury
1: me. Just fucking chop me up right away. We're
0: fine. (laughs) (laughs) I am an organ donor, so... There's that. Um, so between these four, as well as the deaths of other 27-year-old musicians like Canned Heart Singer and guitar player Alan Wilson in 1970, Grateful Dead member Ronald McKernan in 1973, and the Stooges' founding bassist, David Xander Alexander in 1975, several theories started floating around about why 27 seems to be the magic but not so lucky number. Okay. One theory, as I mentioned earlier, is that these folks had made a pact with Satan for fame and fortune. But, as part of the deal, their debt would need to be paid by their 27th year. Of course, it should be noted that around the time of Brian Jones, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, and Jim Morrison's passing, Satanic Panic was in full swing. Satanic Panic. But then, of course, Robert Johnson also was accused of, of all this stuff, and that was way before Satanic Panic.
1: Yes, but I feel like these ones, like, these ones we're talking about now, like, the later members, right? it wasn't, like, a mystery of, like, oh, where did their talent come from? They'd
0: all always been known to be talented. They just weren't famous. Right. They just happened to rise to fame really quickly. Yep. Right before they passed away at the age 27.
1: I'm just throwing it out there, though, like... I think that it makes way more sense with Robert Johnson. I agree. Because he was
0: notoriously bad.
1: bad. Like he was bad and then six months later he was good. All of these artists were never not, they were never said that they were bad. It was just they hadn't risen to fame. to that.
0: Yeah, exactly. One musician who nearly didn't make the cut was Badfinger's Pete Ham. So Badfinger was one of the bands that the Beatles signed to their Apple label in the 1960s. And it featured lead vocalist and composer Pete Ham, who just three days before his twenty eighth birthday unalived himself in his garage in April of 1975. Prior to that, he had just met with his bandmate Tom Evans at a local pub and telling him, quote, don't worry, I know a way out. Unquote. Ugh. That's sad. I know. Although the concept of the 27 Club was first talked about in the early 70s, the official title of the 27 Club wasn't noted until Kurt Cobain's death in 1994. Prior to that, other notable musicians included Chris Bell from the band Big Star, who crashed his Triumph TR-7 sports car into a pole while he drove home from band rehearsal, killing him instantly. Dee Boone from The Minutemen, who died in 1985, Sick with fever, he was on his way to his girlfriend's parents' house when he decided to lay down in the back of the band's van so he could rest while she drove. On the way, she fell asleep at the wheel, and as the van flipped, the front man flew out of its back door, broke his neck, and died. (sighs) Jean-Michael Basquait? Jean-Michael Basquait? I would say Basquait. Basque, typically with French, the T is silent. The T is silent at the end. Uh, So jean michel Basque, who was actually more of an artist than a musician, was famous for having collaborated with Andy Warhol in a series of paintings. He was like a graffiti artist in the 1970s. The Banksy of his time, yes. Yes, but he also was connected to music because he used to date Madonna and had appeared in Blondie's Rapture video.
1: I'm going to have to watch that video again.
0: He, like many young people in the scene at the time, developed a dependence on drugs, and Jean-Michel passed away on August 12, 1988, from an accidental heroin overdose. <sighs> now, you're probably noticing a pattern of drugs. drugs and alcohol use in relationship to the death of many of the folks on this list, or even freak accidents. This was not the case for everyone. And one member of the club, Mia Zapata, having a particularly tragic end to an otherwise bright life. Mm -hmm. From Rolling Stone, quote, as the lead singer of the Gits, Mia Zapata was a punk force and the foremost female voice in Seattle's uh, burgeoning male-dominated grunge scene. Hell yeah, we love a strong female in a male-dominated scene. I know. The band's debut album, Frenching the Bully, Made them local favorites, but as they prepared their sophomore release, Zapata was brutally beaten, raped, and strangled to death in July of 1993. Grunge luminaries like Nirvana and Pearl Jam helped raise thousands of dollars to hire a private investigator to look for her murderer, who was not found and convicted until 2003. Holy shit, it took that long? Yeah, it took 10 years. Holy shit. In the aftermath, her friends launched Home Alive, a self-defense organization, and hosted a series of benefit concerts and released compilations featuring an assortment of Seattle-based bands. Zapata's friends in Seven Year Bitch paid tribute to her in their 1994 album, Viva Zapata, while Joan Jett would go on tour with the Gets under the name Evil Stig, which is Gets Live Backwards, to benefit the investigation for her murders as well as pay tribute to their friends unquote what oh, what a life yeah oh my god i that's why i read the whole thing from rolling stone mm-hmm. because she just seemed phenomenal and then april of 1994 happened and kurt cobain of nirvana was found dead in his home in seattle washington having unalived himself three days earlier And although there were many conspiracy theories surrounding his death, his official cause of death was a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. So, why? Are celebrities just more likely to die at 27? And if so, why 27? I'm ready for this because I have a thought in my head, but I want to hear what you have to say. Permedium.com In 2011, the British Medical Journal, uh, BMJ, released a study looking into whether 27 is a dangerous age for famous musicians. Quote, the study found that there was no peak in risk at age 27, but the risk of death for famous musicians throughout their 20s and 30s was two to three times higher than the general UK population. The study concluded that fame may increase the risk of death among musicians, but this risk is not limited to the age 27, unquote. Okay. Similarly, an article from The Independent, published in 2015, took a deep dive into the statistics behind the 27 Club and found that there was no statistical evidence that showed celebrities were more likely to die at age 27. Some folks believe that it's all about astrology. Uh, Yeah. Quote, around this age, we experience both our Saturn and our- Saturn's return. (laughs) And our progressed lunar return. Saturn's return. Which signify that it's time for us to take stock in our lives, to learn or not some of our karmic lessons and to move on to the next level of living in this lifetime. Saturn's return is 29.
1: Hold on. I got to look this up. I was almost positive Saturn's return was 29. Hold on. Um- but I could be very fucking wrong because I am not great at astrology. <laughs> Rena would be so disappointed in me right now. Hold on. do do do
0: Can I finish my sentences though? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and that many of those that end up joining the 27 Club do so because of a tie to substance abuse, which often occurs because they are trying to block themselves from learning the lessons that these planets bring into our lives, unquote. Saturn's return is twenty nine. Well, but maybe it's like a lead
1: into Saturn. Maybe they're saying it's like the maybe it's like not a quick thing. Maybe it's a buildup, and it's like at that point you're getting close to Saturn's return.
0: I feel like I didn't. I don't have it in my notes, but I think I saw something about twenty seven to thirty being like the the general gap.
1: It says while the planet may not reach the first exact location until the person is twenty nine or thirty years old. Um, the influence could start in the person's late 20s. So, yeah, 27. Okay, okay, yep, okay, Yeah, okay. yeah, yep, 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 yep. so,
0: so they start doing drugs and alcohol significantly more in their later 20s, uh, not knowing what to do with their life, and bing, bada boom, 27, yikes.
1: I just needed my validation that I was correct about the
0: age of Saturn. No, you, you were correct. <laughs> I had never heard of that thing before. So uh, as I say next, which if you believe in such things... Holds up as a theory, given what we know about most of the deaths of those in the 27 Club. And this was actually a trend that continued throughout the 1990s. So in 1994, just two months after Kurt Cobain's death, Kristen Pfaff, who was the third member of the Seattle music community to die at the age of 27 within a year, she was a member of Courtney Love's band Hole. In 1995, Randy Stretch Walker was the target of an assassination in Queens in November of that year. Stretch was a regular guest on Tupac Shakur's recorded albums, studio recordings, uh, after a run with his own group, Live Squad. Known as a skilled producer and strong rapper in his own right, Rolling Stone described him as uh, exuding the original gangsta authenticity that sold records during the 90s. He was killed less than a year before Tupac himself was fatally shot, though Tupac only made it to 25. Moving into the 2000s, Jeremy Michael Ward from the Mars Volta was found dead of Heron overdose in his L.A. home in May of 2003, less than a month before the release of their debut album, which I did not know. That is very sad. I know the Mars Volta. Not personally, guys, yeah. but you know. And, of course, the musician who brought the resurgence of the 27 Club to the public eye, Amy Winehouse, who died in July of 2011. Mm-hmm. It was no secret that Amy struggled with substance abuse, mental illness, and addiction, and her official cause of death was alcohol poisoning. And these are honestly just to name a few. And were you to include celebrities not associated with music and the number of those who passed away at the age of 27 would grow significantly. Yeah. In fact, the Wikipedia page for the 27 Club lists 75 people whose deaths range from 2023 all the way back to 1892. Oh, wow. Those who claim that the 27 Club is merely an example of confirmation bias uh, say that, especially with lists like this. 75 celebrities out of thousands who just happened to die at the age of 27 is not that big of a list. Like from... 1892 to 2003? Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. I did listen to a couple podcasts about this, and one of the theories, which I didn't see in my sources, but one of the theories that they found is folks who are more recently in the 27 Club, like uh, the Janis Joplin age to now, it's all a government conspiracy. Uh Uh-uh. So what happened is that the government wants to make them lizard people. But in the attempt to do that, the change was too noticeable, so they killed them off. <laughs> She's shaking her head vigorously. I hate the lizard people argument. I know. I think it's so stupid. Uh, I hate it. It's so stupid. Okay. Um. So whether or not it's lizard people consequences or, you know... Issues with the process not going well, or if the astrology made them do it, or if it was a deal with the devil. There is no real definitive answer as to why so many musicians die at the age of 27. However, I'm going to go with this deal with the devil. That's not true. No. No. A lot of these are just really tragic things. But it is interesting. We don't, you know, we can say as much as we want about like, oh, 27, 27, 27, whatever. But like, there's not a 33 club. Yep. So there is something odd about the age 27. I think it's just a combination of different experiences, life experiences, the pressure of fame at such a young age, all that jazz. Though I do still maintain that Robert Johnson made a deal with the devil.
1: Okay. Okay. So, I want to start by saying, this is not an indicator of how fascinating I found this. Because I did find this very interesting. But, on a skeptic scale, I'm going to give it like a one and a half. Yep. Yep. And, here is why. I agree. I, the, the Robert Johnson thing, that gave away more spooky vibes. Because, again,
0: not talented to talented out of nowhere. Literally saying about hellhounds and the devil and the crossroads. like all of those indicators. But
1: I think, like you were saying, this is just a case of like a lot of tragedy. Yeah. Like, yes, there is no 33 club. There is no 25 club. Right. But I think it's just a matter of which artists happen to die at what age, and it prompted a thing that now continues on.
0: Yeah, it's confirmation bias. Yep. Yes, because... The thing
1: that gets me a lot with this is that at 27 is kind of the perfect age for people to make this club. We're always so quick to talk about how hard it is to be a teenager or how hard it is to be like in your early 20s. You're still figuring your life out. Right. But I don't think people always think about the amount of stuff you're dealing with in the like like 25 to 30. Right. Like. You're trying to, like, at that point, you're supposed to be an established adult. You're supposed to know what you're doing. You're supposed, and a lot of, how many, like, um like neurodivergencies come up in your late 20s to early 30s? That, like, how many people do we know that have been diagnosed with things that we just thought was, oh, that's just the way life is? But then you're like, right. oh, wait, no. Like, this is a part of you, and it's the way your brain works. But if you've not been taught that that's an acceptable way to live your life, then you're going to think
0: something's wrong and then that it's a whole thing. I think 27 is an extremely hard age. I agree. Because so many of the folks in the 27 Club were like relatively popular in their early 20s. Mm-hmm. But when they hit that peak of popularity, suddenly you're just in this very weird space. Like... Everyone wants you to be doing drugs and going out and being the fun person. And that is so much pressure to put on a person, especially if they feel alone or have depression. Yep. Depression, anxiety. Right. uh, You could
1: be any, any number of issues you could be struggling with. And then you add in the fact, like you're saying, you've got the people pressuring you to, oh, go have fun with us, drink, do drugs, whatever. Right. And then you've got, especially in, I'd say, the last, 50 years, it's gotten worse and worse and worse. But you've got the tabloids. Right. In our lifetime, how many times did we see Amy Winehouse plastered on 1,800 tabloids about her drug use, her alcohol use, her appearance? Is she too skinny? Is she gaining weight? Like, there is this pressure that people who are not fully formed adults yet are being put under to fit a standard and they just want to be themselves and they're gorgeous, beautiful, talented people and human beings. And then we're like, "Oh, but he, did you see what you looked like here? Uh let's oh or God. um uh something that might get people's opinions riled up or not, I don't know. But the amount of people that put so much blame on Courtney love for oh, yeah. Kurt Cobain and for that other member of the band in whole. Yeah. Like She got so much flack for that. Right. Like it was her fault that Kurt Cobain died.
0: It's like, no. No. She didn't do that. Were
1: they in an immensely toxic and terrible relationship? Yeah. From what we can see on the outside, absolutely. But, oh, it's just, I don't think that it's, I think it's super tragic. I do not think it's spooky.
0: I think it's very interesting that we don't see more women in the 27 Club. Because if you think of like, Britney Spears, Amanda Bynes, uh, the redhead, (laughs) (laughs) Lindsay Lohan, Uh, they they have had such like a tumultuous relationship with the public when they're in their late 20s that I'm like, I am so glad that they made it through and all of them seem to be, I mean, Britney is still dealing with so much shit, but they seem to be a little bit better off now. But how much of that is just because they
1: had systems in place, whether they wanted them or not, right? That did not allow
0: for any of that to transpire. Stuff, yeah, that's like, true. Because the conservatorship, she couldn't do anything.
1: Yep. There is so much stuff that we, as like who we are in our lives, mm-hmm. could not possibly understand. Oh, for sure. I, and it's one of those things where I understand the Twenty Seven Club, and now what you're talking about makes way more sense. Like, with all of that. But I, like when you were saying there's no 33 Club. Right. I'm like, I bet you if we looked enough stuff up, we could make one. It's just, for some reason, this number with the certain amount of people that were the right catalysts for it to become a thing. Yes. Make it the thing. It's not that there's not tragic deaths at any other varying ages around that time. It's just that this was, like, the magic thing to make it into something. four
0: individuals who all died... Within three years of each other, mm-hmm. really was the catalyst. And then being able to bring it back to Robert Johnson. Yep. And then Kurt Cobain. And it just. I think yeah. ultimately it comes down to drug and alcohol use,
1: uh-huh. unaddressed mental health concerns, mm-hmm. and
0: the public that idolizes people to a scary level at times. Right. Because they're just people. Yep. Exactly. But I still do think that Robert Johnson made a deal I'm with not, the devil. Uh, I'm not
1: changing anything I said about last week. It's
0: just about specifically the
1: 27 Club. Uh, if anybody, hold on. So we talked a lot of, about a lot of heavy stuff in your section of the podcast
0: mm-hmm. this yeah. week.
1: I would like to throw out that there is a 24-7 crisis hotline. So if you know anybody out there or if you yourself are struggling with a mental health crisis or suicide, suicidal ideation or anything like that, in the United States, you can call 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. So just throwing that out there. If you're in a bad space, reach out and get help if it's within your capabilities, please. We love you and appreciate you.
0: It's so true.
1: All right. Whew. All right. That was a great story. Got a little dark.
0: Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I was. A very
1: deep conversation.
0: I know. I know. I, yeah, I, uh, it's, I definitely consider it, I guess, I guess a nerd ass. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. But,
1: yeah. If it weren't for Robert Johnson. Yes. It would be complete nerd ass. Yeah. It would
0: be complete nerd ass and a conversation about mental health.
1: And you know we should
0: just be nice to people. That is something people need to be willing to talk about more openly, though.
1: I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um, so I have a listener story this week. Ooh, I'm excited. Uh, an anonymous listener story from a person who says their pronouns are she, they. Nice. Double pronouns. Story goes, hey there. I'm a new binger of your podcast. And through listening to your podcast, I went back and forth on whether or not to share this. I ultimately decided to mainly for the joy of you two being able to share a listener's story.
0: They are can you hear... trying to imply that we're pathetic because of our lack of listener stories? No, they are
1: trying to imply that we get very excited when we get we a listener. We get so
0: excited. So thank
1: you. I appreciate that that was your thought process if it meant you submitted a listener story. Like I
0: wasn't going to, but they really, really like it. We really need it. it.
1: Did you hear the joy in their voice? <laughs> yes. <laughs> And they said, I have been that weird person all my life. Grew up undiagnosed, neurospicy and AFAB, so of course that wasn't dealt with until my 30s, uh-huh. as we were literally just, just discuss- yep. discussing. Yep. But there's always been a weird, vague connection with spirits in just knowing things. Sometimes it's just smelling the aftershave of a past family member who passed away over a decade ago. Looking at you, granddad. Uh, giving answer to people who have not asked me the question yet. Anyway, I digress. The weirdest memory for me happened in 1997. Lady Diana had passed tragically, and I was upset about it. Not for her, though, but for her children. Yeah. See, I was raised Christian, but I always viewed heaven as a paradise prison, where you went after you died, but you couldn't ever see your family again. So naturally, as a weird-ass 10-year-old, I
0: gathered some friends to do a seance. Naturally. (laughs) You, you should naturally. have been friends with us because that, that is what we would that, have to See, naturally is the correct n- response. Yep, naturally <laughs> for us, yep. <laughs> I don't remember
1: all the details, but it was a seance that involved not a Ouija board, but a deck of cards. Do not ask me where I got that idea. It was just one of those things. I felt like it was the right move.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ten-year-old logic. I love it. Did the same kind of weird stuff. As my friends and I
1: did the seance, my lights started flickering like crazy. We screamed and my parents burst in. The flickering that was going crazy in my room happened nowhere else in the house. I made my parents swear they weren't messing with the box, but the box is so close to my room I could hear the flicking of the fuses from inside the room clearly and none of us heard any sort of sound during the seance. So I closed the whole seance and that was that. Until the next day. I was hiking down to my favorite spot in the woods with the same friends when I very clearly locked eyes with Lady Di. She was in a lilac suit, ever so ladylike, sitting on a nearby stump, waving at me and smiling. I looked away and looked back to find no one there. My friends asked me what happened as I looked like I had seen a ghost, but I couldn't even bring myself to tell them. I just mumbled some excuse and put it away in my mind. I don't know to this day if what I saw was what I saw, but the feeling that I got from her still resonates with me. It was a feeling of joy, happiness, peace or just trying to reassure a 10-year-old that she was not in a paradise prison. (laughs) I do, however, remember thinking at the time, sweet, it worked. I freed her so she can watch over her boys now. Anyway, thanks for being awesome and relatable and having a laugh so infectious, but I can't help but laugh while I'm having a day at work. (laughs) Keep it spooky. Oh my goodness, that made me so happy. That made
0: me so happy too. Uh, I love that they were like, I'm just so glad that I rescued her from that paradise prison. (laughs) I like that Lady Di was like, oh, okay. We need
1: to make sure that this person knows that I'm not (laughs) like trapped. We're fine. We're good. In a lilac suit, no less. Cause you know what? I could absolutely see her rocking that. She She would. would.
0: I think she did.
1: Yeah. I, I don't recall enough,
0: but you know what? I could believe it easily. I feel like I was about that age. I could do the math. I'm not going to. I feel like I was about that age. Also, when when Lady Die passed away. Oh, I think away. they might have been they they sound like they're around our age. We should have been friends, god damn it. Ugh. We would have gotten in so much trouble with summoning demons,
1: especially Well, I grew up Catholic, that would have not flown, but I would have tried to make it fly anyway. <laughs> If you have a listener story you'd like to share with us, you can do so by emailing us directly, leftofskeptic at gmail.com. You can also visit our website, www.leftofskeptic.com, and click the listener stories tab at the top of our page, or you can click the link tree in our bio. If you would like to visit our website, you'll also notice a starter pack there. If you have uh, certain episodes you like to share with people, those are some of our best rated. And please be sure to, you know, like uh, like rate us, like us, on your on your listening apps give us a comment yeah nice ones
0: we love it yeah i mean you don't have to be nice but we would really appreciate it if you were nice about it. i would prefer you to be nice but i get it i find myself quite annoying (laughs) so i don't blame you if you do as well (laughs) you can also find us on social media we are on instagram tiktok and twitter at left of skeptic and facebook at left of skeptic podcast
1: well, thank you all for joining us this uh, this week. It took a, a varying scale of emotions, but we got through it.
0: We got through it. We got through it. Yeah, really? we're going to record again tomorrow. Yeah. So I'm going to see you a lot for a short amount of time and then not see you for a very long time. Oh. Did that make you sad? A little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay, Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks. We're doing it all for Garth Brooks. <laughs>
1: Thank you all for joining us this Spooky Wednesday. We love and appreciate
0: you. It's true, we do. Happy Spooky Wednesday. Happy Spooky Wednesday. Okay, Okay. bye. Bye, bye, bye. The Left of Skeptic podcast is written and hosted by Kayla Moria and Brittany Lind. This week's episode is edited by me. Brittany Lind. The Love of Skeptic Music is by Dave Melling and Emily Havoc. And our artwork is by Al LeBlanc. Okay, bye!